Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. I'm Andrea Askowitz. I'm Allison Langer, and this is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn how to write your own stories. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. And by art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. There's no place in the world like writing class, and we want to bring you in. Today on our show, we bring you a story by Sumitra Matai. Sumitra is a writer and textile designer based in New York City. She holds a BFA in textile design from Rhode Island School of Design and an MFA in creative writing from the New School. She's a smarty pants. Yeah, she has cool creds. Her essays on food, family, and culture have been published in all sorts of places. For more information, please visit her website. SumitraMatai.com. That's S-U-M-I-T-R-A-M-A-T-T-A-I. And you can find that in the show notes. Her Instagram is at SumitraMatai, or you can subscribe to her newsletter, Clothbound. That's like C-L-O-T-H, Clothbound, B-O-U-N-D, one word. And basically she's highlighting textiles and art design in everyday life. It's cool. Her story called How to Start a New Job is a really interesting example how to change up structure because it's literally a list. But in that list, you will see it's so much more than just a list. Back with Sumitra Matai's story after the break. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. I'm Allison Langer, and every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern Time, I host First Draft. It's a class... Kinda, because you'll get a little bit of instruction, but mostly it's a group where you come together with other writers online, write to a prompt and share what you wrote. It's the only way to get better. Come join me. Check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com or go to patreon.com slash writingclassradio to learn more. We're back. This is Allison Langer and you're listening to Writing Class Radio. Up next is Sumitra Matai reading her story, how to start a new job. Number one, spend an hour the night before your first day trying on outfits. Debate between an all-black ensemble and something more memorable, a printed dress or a pink blouse. Consider the weather, the choice of footwear, Contemplate a blazer. Decide on a patterned skirt and a button-down. Search your jewelry box for a talisman of some kind. The silver cuff you bought on a trip to India 
the vintage necklace from your older sister. Choose small gold earrings and your watch, even though the time is off and you can't figure out how to fix it. Ask your husband if you look like you're trying too hard. Beware of his answer, which will feel more important than it should. Number two. Show up too early and pace up and down Broadway for 10 minutes, noting the location of the coffee shops, dry cleaner, and shoe repair store. Think, if the job goes well, you could commute to this block for years, possibly even for the rest of your career. You know this should bring you relief, but instead, your right eye starts to twitch. Ponder the future as you watch pigeons circle the sky. Number three, notice on your new desk the box of business cards with your name and your big new title, Vice President of Design. Pull one out and look at it. Run your fingers over the smooth cardstock. Wonder who this woman is and how she got this far. Number four, as your new boss leads you around the office, Smile and tell everyone you're excited to be there, even though you feel like you might throw up. Number five, answer the pointed questions of the younger women who've been at the company for years and seem unhappy you've been hired as their future boss. At 42, you are older than them, but not by enough to command their respect. Try to ignore their disapproval, their side eyes and pinched lips the whispers in your wake. Number six, realize you may be the only South Asian person in the office, possibly in the whole company. It has been this way from kindergarten to grade school, high school, college, and every workplace in your career. Do not bother fighting the discomfort, which by now is second nature, steeped into your personality. Still, today, As your stomach churns with jitters, feel especially vulnerable and out of place, like a penguin in a cave full of bears. Number seven. When your new boss asks you to lunch, say yes. Sit by the window at the Italian restaurant across the street and order a salad that turns out to be much smaller than you expected. Ask him questions about his life and his background. Hide your smile when he starts to gossip telling you tales out of school, as he calls them. As you learn about the highs and lows of his decades-long career, wonder what it took for him to keep showing up. Remember, you were supposed to replace him when he retires, and even though you took the job, it still feels like a dubious plan. You can never be him, just as he could never be you. Clean your plate and remind yourself that the future can only come one day at a time. Listen and nod and hope there is no arugula in your teeth. Number eight. By three o'clock in the afternoon, realize you do not know where the light switches are, what the Wi-Fi password is, your coworkers' names, the computer systems, how to use the printer, or where they keep the pens. Every time you leave your desk, get lost on the way back. Circle the conference room two or three times, Hope no one notices. Sit in the bathroom stall between training sessions. Brace against waves of nostalgia for your old workplace. 
the familiar faces, the familiar mess, the sense of ownership it took five years to cultivate. Count the floor tiles and remind yourself why you left. Better company, better pay, better commute. Remind yourself these are solid reasons, good on paper. Number nine, flashback to the screaming fits of your old boss, whose voice thundered down the hall, setting the whole office on edge. Remember how you learned to work around his manic highs, sullen lows, and periodic fury, adapting just as you did to your father's unpredictable moods. Remember the disappointment in his voice on the day you resigned. How could you do this to me? Number 10. Remind yourself to be grateful. As you think about your friends in the industry losing jobs, wonder why logic doesn't prevent the urge to cry. Number 11. At 5.30 p.m., take two Motrin because your head is throbbing. On the subway, scroll through text messages you missed throughout the day from your husband, your mother, former coworkers, and old friends wishing you well on your first day. Send them heart and prayer hand emojis. Do not send them the one where the yellow head is split open, brain on fire, mouth agape, eyes hollow pits of shock. Number 12. When you get home from work, pour yourself a glass of Pinot Noir. Change out of your first day outfit into sweatpants and a moth-eaten shirt. When your son, a curly-haired second grader, asks you if you've made any new friends at your job, shrug and say, maybe. Don't tell him how difficult adult relationships are, as impossible to maintain as they are to forge. Don't tell him the truth. Number 13. After your kids are asleep, stare at yourself in the bathroom mirror. Say the things that you need to keep believing. I am talented. I am strong. I am capable. Envision walking into work tomorrow morning and the next day and the day after that. Put your broken watch in your jewelry box and tell yourself it will all make sense in time. It has to. Okay, so when I heard this now um, versus when I read it uh, prior to this, I heard it a little bit differently. Yeah, tell. And I wanted to ask you in terms of like, yes, obviously the structure is unique to us and in general. The situation in the story is so clear right now. What is it? Well, you've got the situation, woman starting new job, but there's so much insecurity laced through it. I feel like that's what the story's about. And what about it? So, right. She is, she shows us her angst. It's like all of it. She, and she even gave us like, I heard she gave us like this history, like this dad, mean dad history that I know that totally came out this time for me too. Yeah. But what is she learning and how do, how is she changing? Like in, in that way, like how would you describe the story? Yeah. I don't know if there's a big change. I think she's got this job and she's showing us a pattern of insecurity and basically of, and everything like it's getting ready for the job, being at the job, her, her success at the job, her experience at the job. And she says she has it, but she doesn't feel it. 
So I hate the word imposter syndrome, but that's what this whole thing feels like. She just doesn't know how she got here. She just doesn't know why, you know, she's being lined up to take this guy's job. She feels dubious, like the whole thing being South Asian, like it's so much about every single line is almost about insecurity. One, two, three, four, five. I think I figured it out. It's about, this is how I'm going to overcome my insecurity one day at a time. I don't see it overcoming it. I think dealing with it. Or maybe, right. This is just how she's going to deal with it. There was, what was, wasn't there a line in there about the future can only come one day at a time. Yeah. So that's it. This is just like step and oh my God. And these are all the steps. Mm -hmm. It's like step one, step two. Very cool. Yeah. It's super cool. Do you want to start at the the top? Oh, go ahead. All right. I'm just excited by the details. I was so into it. We learn so much about this narrator through this process of her first day at work. And I thought we learned that she's insecure about her husband, like his comment to her, his comment is more important than it should be. It's like, she's got this career and she's like, is this what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? Like kind of attitude. I know. Like even, even if she's there forever, she's not sure that's good. I know. Mm -hmm. And then she tells us her job VP of design. Cause I always want to know that. And then she feels like she's going to throw up Uh, She tells us her age, 42 South Asian, the history of her position and how she got it and this and that. We know what she eats at lunch, a salad and later an arugula salad. And then he, this boss thinks she's better than she is. She's not sure she can live up to him. And then she talks about the dad thing. Oh, oh, before that, three decades, basically her boss has been there. So we get he's in a senior position and then she's meant to replace him. Um, when he retires, blah, blah, blah. And then we get her roaming around the office, feeling insecure about that. Like I said before, she has the qualifications, but still is insecure. And then she's adapting to all these bosses because of what she went through with her dad. So we get a little bit about her life growing up, which I thought was so well thrown in there. All of this, all of this uncomfortableness is familiar to her. Yes. Yes, but we see all the support she has from her family and friends and like and then she's like don't send them the emoji blow up with the head. So we know that's how she feels without her having to say this is how I feel so good. And then looking in the bathroom mirror and even the part about her son, like she's kind of like down on making friends and I don't know, it sounds like she's always felt like an outsider in some way, either in her success or her color or her age. I mean, it's just yeah. It's very, very, very well done. I loved it. So I love it so much. And I love her. I really, I am so excited by this story. It's so different. Every single thing that you mentioned, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like that's what I was doing. I was like, God, the details are so clear. Wait, why did you under, why did you highlight, do not send them the one where the yellow head is split open, brain on fire, mouth agape? eyes, hollow pits of shock. Yeah. Because it was her emotions. Like she, without saying like, I felt like this, she said, don't do this because uh, you know, I loved it. The way she said it was so subtle. We see the next line that she just doesn't want to tell her kid the truth. Like life is fucking hard. Like work is hard. It's complicated. Just keep being positive. She doesn't want to, yeah. Ugh, doesn't want to soil his brain or his thoughts on work and career and life and so there's one thing I wanted to say, which was when um, the when the narrator was talking to the son, I thought that served as like, she just doesn't want to tell the son like how hard life is. 
that's what I thought when I heard that. The two other things I was thinking about, one is that this narrator's always been uncomfortable. And that's, and so that gets back to like what you were saying, the stories about like figuring out or just dealing with the uncomfort day by day. But then what about the watch? I wanted to just mention the watch, broken watch. So she puts on a broken watch. And then at the very end, she makes this very subtle comment about time. Like this will all, let me see, what did she say? It will all make sense in time. It has to. And I just felt like that was very subtle and I think deliberate and just freaking awesome. I loved it. Very, very subtle. I don't know if she meant to do that, but a watch isn't making sense because it's broken. So maybe she feels like a little bit, she's a a broken watch, a metaphor of that. Um, I mean, it's not set up like that. It's just thrown in there. So I wouldn't say this essay is a metaphor, but it's, uh, that's a, a little nugget that she dropped in and then brought back up at the end and you related to it because you heard the watch and time. So maybe it was deliberate. Maybe it wasn't. So that's what's so cool. Like maybe it was deliberate or maybe it was just like her artist brain working for But still, I think it's really artful, but not like overly trying to be arty. I love this story. It's so good. It's so different. Makes me happy. Yeah. Super happy. happy Well, thank you for listening. And thank you, Sumitra Matai. Writing Class Radio is hosted by me, Allison Langer. And me, Andrea Askowitz. Audio production is by Matt Kundle, Evan Serminski, Chloe Imont Lane, and Aiden Glassy at the Sound Off Media Company. Theme music is by Justina Chandler. Check out all the classes we offer on our website. Join the community that comes together for instruction and excuse to write and the support from other writers. To learn more, either go to our website or join on patreon.com slash writingclassradio. A new episode will drop every other Wednesday. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.